welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. I am your host, Ken Seymour, with your other host, Richard Geiger. Hello. We are so excited to have you back with us. We are going to continue our history of comic book movies. Our previous episode in this particular series dealt with part of 2005, but it was such a large year we could not fit it all into a single episode and not have it go on for at least two hours. 2005, it's a big year. Yes, it is. It's bigger than 2004. Now we're going to let you in on a little little behind-the-scenes fun. This was going to be our first ever attempt to use both of our brand-new microphones, which are just fantastic, Blue Yeti, beautiful microphones. Uh, We had it all set up on the previous attempt for 2005, and we found out that computers don't really like using two of the same microphone hooked in. Two USB microphones. So all you young podcasters out there, beware. Be so, weary, aware. Be aware, a wary. Um, so we thought, well, I'm going to say, I'm going to put this all on me. I thought I was smart. I figured I'd outsmarted the whole thing, did a low tech kind of solution. Why not just use my own personal Wi Fi and set up uh, a simple conversation, whether it be through Hangouts or Skype? And we'll each use our own computer and our own blue microphone. Yeah, that didn't work either. Nope. Um, we are just amazing microphone scientists at this point in which we can get nothing to work the way we want them to work. So if you have suggestions for us, please let us know. What, what, what was it, Ben Franklin, that uh, said that he didn't fail to invent the light bulb? No, not Edison, sorry. Uh, Edison said he didn't fail to invent the light bulb a thousand times. He just found a thousand ways to not invent the light bulb. I I feel like that's the direction that we're going. We'll get it one of these days. But as always, obviously with this particular episode, there will be heavy spoilers involved. Um, And and again, to reiterate the previous episode, uh, if you have not seen these movies by now, uh, sorry, so sorry. I mean, it's like... 14, 15 years ago. You should have already watched these. <laughs> All right. So let's ring in the new year the right way. Um, we will be talking to begin with a, uh, a television movie. Um, that, as always, uh, comic book movies, by our definition, are any movies based upon comic books that could not have been in any, any audio or visual format previously. Uh, but it is legal to have it be a television movie so long as it is not a television series first. And even then, sometimes it's okay. Sometimes they do independent movies. I mean, if uh, Stargate had been a comic book source, I mean, Stargate had two movies that happened after the television show that were kind of TV movies that were independent of the show. So It's true. Those would have counted, but that's not a comic book. Um, 2005, though, really interesting title, uh, Painkiller Jane. Did you see that one? That's a big negatory. (laughs) That's one of the reasons I wanted to start with this one, because I knew I was likely the only one of us that had seen this particular, as well as the television show um, that um, succeeded this particular television movie. Now, I didn't get to see all of the television show because... um, uh, as as with so many things, I only had 
so many hours in the day, and I just couldn't quite get enough time to finish everything. But this is based on a comic. Originally, is a uh, Twenty Two Brides as the name of the comic. Came out in 1996, written by Jimmy Palmiotti, and art by Joe Casada. Now, most people would know Joe Casada. That's like a Daredevil fan, something like that. Mm. He's he's really known for that. Um, and I'll tell you what, Palmiotti's done some work himself. He is a, an inker, among other things. But, um, you know, just a really a neat concept. I mean, if you're a fan of Wolverine, it's kind of a similar idea. You know, exposed to a chemical, gain superpowers to be able to basically heal from anything within a couple of days. Um, so not quite the instantaneous grat- gratification that you would get from a Wolverine, but at the same time, it's more relatable, sort of. You can kind of get into the headspace a little bit better because she still gets hurt, and she'll heal. It'll just take her a minute. Hmm. Very interesting. And then, of course, she goes into law enforcement. Um, so, speaking of which, we're we're very much hoping to get Mister Palmiotti on the show. I'm I'm working on it. I'm I'm trying very hard. I. I uh, I'm a big fan of this gentleman's work, and uh, and I'm doing everything I can to get him on as an interview. But that is for another time. Yo, Jimmy. That's all I got. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, please, pretty please, big fan here. Um, now the movie was directed by Sanford Bookstaver. Um, that sounds like uh, a company that. Uh, Actually produces books. Yeah, just it's it's an interesting name. Um, he's not somebody I was really familiar with, but he's done a ton of television, just hundreds. I mean, a lot of television episodes. Um, but the lead, uh, Emmanuel, we go will, on. <laughs> I'm going to go with Vagier. Uh, or, I'm going to go with Vagier. But I don't know. No, no. Ne- neither of us actually had time to prepare. See, part of the time that we would have used to prepare to start looking up these uh, names and pronouncing them was spent trying to uh, bash our heads against the microphones to get them to work together. Um, so anyway, if you've seen Saw 2, she's in that. Um, mm-hmm. Two and a Half Men, she had a, a run on. My thing that I know her from, she was on uh, Smallville for quite a few episodes she played a doctor that became kind of a love interest for the Lex Luthor character for a little while which was cool um Eric Dane is in it he played multiple man in X-Men 3 uh yes uh he was on Grey's Anatomy for a good chunk of time um you got uh, Richard Roundtree who should be in so many things and is in so many things he he was and is and always will be sure that's right, Shaft. Uh, just kind of hear the hear the music, but um, uh, kind of an interesting casting. Uh, Venus uh, Terzo, uh, she did the voice for Black Arachne and Beast Wars, which was a big favorite of uh, one of my boys. Uh, she, I enjoyed that cartoon actually. Yeah, it was it was a fun little thing. Um, she played a doctor in the television show Arrow. She was Jean Grey in X Men Evolution. So, I mean, she's, she's got some real kind of comic book and sci-fi cred. 
Um, Callum Keith Rennie uh, was in Blade Trinity and Jessica Jones and Fifty Shades of Grey and Californication and just tons and tons. As soon as you look at this guy, you go, oh, him, if you don't just kind of know him by by, uh, the name alone. And, of course, the other one that I thought was interesting was uh, Tate Donovan, who was in Argo and Shooter and The O.C. and the Hercules animated stuff. Tate. Yeah. That's all I got. So this was this was an interesting show. Like I said, it was it it was perfectly tailored, truthfully, to television. Um, oh, oh, yes, we should do this. Let's see how close we were on Emmanuel's name. Assuming there's no uh, feedback, uh, commercials. Emmanuel Vajir. Vajir. Oh, see, I learned something, and. All things considered, I am certain that she can't possibly be upset because she will probably never hear this. <laughs> what if she does? We'd love to have an interview with you. Yes, we would because I, I have all sorts of questions, and I promise to pronounce your name right eventually. Um, but, yeah, it's um, it was tailored to television really because because of the power level being where it was. It's neat enough that it kind of captures your mind, but it's still grounded enough in reality that the bad guys can be more normal and and still be viable. Because a lot of time in a lot of shows, you get this kind of power creep thing where uh, how are you going to find somebody that's going to be enough of a threat to this super-powered individual to really come across as as something that you can get invested in and, and have that suspension of disbelief. Question, how much does she actually heal? Oh, tons. Uh, well, at least that I saw. Um, I, I, they, I know they had plenty of blunt forced trauma. There were cuts, lacerations. I'm pretty sh- sure I remember stab wounds and bullet wounds. Any uh, limbs lost not, or extremities? Not to my memory, now, digging in from the comic, I don't remember. It's been a long time. I don't think that there was any sort of, like, limb regrowth. I think it was all just normal stuff. Like, I'm, I'm saying that like it's normal, but uh, less egregious wounds. But I could be wrong on that one. Fair enough. Um, all in all, I like I said, I enjoyed the television movie. I enjoyed the... Um, I really enjoyed the uh, the TV show. Also, I mean, it was uh, like I said, the, the thing was popular enough that uh, it eventually spawned the television show. Well, it took a couple years, right? Yeah, it wasn't just to instantly show up on TV. No, it took were, a couple years. It made it. There were some recastings. It had Alina Huffman in it. That uh, the television show did anyway. And of course we've talked to her and she's awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, so all in all fun show, give it or fun movie, give it a shot. And, uh, it's just, it's still, it's mid two thousands TV. Understand what you're getting into, but definitely give it a watch. All right. So let's go from something that I know you haven't seen to something that I know you have seen that we should both probably agree fairly well on the quality of this particular film. Carmen. No, different one. That would have been a 12-minute video with basically the only purpose being as a a cleavage fest. Um, Mm. Yeah, no, but we are talking about Electra from 2005. You saw that, right? 
Uh, yes, I did. Oh, come on. You didn't see Electra? No, I did. Oh, yes. you did. Okay, I was going to say. I, I mean, I have it. seen it, but rewatching it or going back to see it again was not really a priority. Well, that makes sense because it once was once was enough. Uh, they modified and changed so many things, and it was just a faded shadow of what it really should have been. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, like all the cheesiness you got from it in, initially, and the cheesiness you got from her, where they would twirl her sides and then stick them in the air and cross, like yeah. cross them, and like that yeah. was her thing. Well, just, no, just, now you're you're overly simplifying. They did they did plenty of choreography with the actual weapons in Daredevil. There that's, was, that's true. They were razor sharp and could slice through sandbags and uh, stab through objects. I was stuff. thinking more about the one on one combat with Daredevil. There was there was some actual decent stuff in there, and yes, it was overly cheesily done in the Daredevil film. But they had a chance to fix it with this movie. Chance, you said. They, they, they did not. <laughs> um, now, the Electra character... Oh, yeah. The Electra gotcha. character was uh, originally from Daredevil, obviously. She was uh, created in 1981 by Frank Miller. Um, you know, kind of... An a, iconic cre- uh, creator of a series of Daredevil... Yeah, he, he's, he's one of like about three or four people that when you talk about Daredevil you have to bring him up because he influenced the the run of the character so uh, so massively um, and it's it's kind of uh, we, we owe a lot to him for a lot of a lot of things really uh, now if you really want to get mad at somebody um, I, I'm going to go with the studio for this film I, I'm going to place it square at the feet of a, a blatant money grab and they didn't care about quality I agree uh, with that but um, the director was Rob Bowman who directed again a bunch of TV stuff his other big movie that I recognized that was kind of with him was Reign of Fire which I also did not like um, I've seen worse movies oh yeah I've definitely seen, well I've seen worse than Electra by far but yeah um, it's it's one of those things because I have the emotional investment in that particular character, and and I, I wanted it to rebound from Daredevil so much. It's like, come on, there's not much you have to do with this. She doesn't have powers. It's just basically ninjas. It's ninjas. All you need is ninjas. Do some martial arts, get a decent stunt double, uh, do some creative camera tricks, and you'll be fine. Right, just kind of adapt one of the comic book stories. I mean, Jennifer Garner's ath- athletic enough. She can do some of her own Yeah, she can things. do a good chunk. I mean, th- between that and the, the other, it would have been fine, but no. Um, I, I really like Jennifer Garner. Uh, in most things, I enjoy her. I, I can't tell you why. There's nothing that pops to mind uh, as being something that's just like, oh, she was just amazing. That I maybe thirteen going on thirty. Uh, she she's not a draw for me, but she's not a detractor for me. Right. Uh, she was in a movie I saw not too long ago last year, and I thought uh, peppermint peppermint schnapps. Yes, I liked it. She did good as the lead, but again, it's one of those films that I saw it. Uh, I don't really feel like I need to see it again. Um. But uh, you've got uh, 
good lord, I'm not going to try and pronounce this. Um, <laughs> Goron. I'll start. I'll start with that. Uh, the- Viznich. Yeah, you you go there. Leave out a couple of the, of the letters that are in there. They're silent. Yeah, I'm Viz. I'm just going to just completely destroy that. But uh, the American version of uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, the show ER, Practical Magic, Rounders. Uh, she's great uh, in most of that other stuff. Uh, I don't think she's really given much of a chance to be great in this. You've got uh, William Lee, who was in Witchblade and The Good Doctor. Um, Wait, isn't... What is it? Kari Hirojuki Tagawa. Goran's a a dude. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Did I say she? I meant he. Golly. I'm just... I'm I'm having a... The amount of rage from the microphone (laughs) is just kind of blurring over everything at this point. Um. So, um, uh, Tagawa was in Mortal Kombat, Planet of the Apes. I think when he, um, he was, uh, not Shao, not Shere Khan, but (laughs) Shere Khan. Shao Khan? Shao Khan. Yeah. I I think he was that in the, in the Mortal Kombat. Terrence Stamp, who was Zod from Superman's. Or Shang Tsung. Shang Tsung, that's right. Uh, he was on Chuck and Smallville and, uh, Bob Sapp, who was just so much fun to see in anything. Um, but, uh, Hiro, uh, Kanagawa, uh, he's been just in too many things to even list. He's got 103, uh, 103, 183 entries in his IMDb profile. Um, just ridiculous amount. Keep him busy making that paycheck. Yeah. But, um, uh, Goron in Rounders was, um, if I'm remembering correctly, um, haven't seen the movie, so I don't. You haven't seen Rounders. I'm more of a square person. Oh, uh, but you like poker, right? Um, no. I like the shirts that say no, no, bad. Um, but uh, no, no, he was. Uh, if I'm remembering correctly, he was. Um, I th- I think he was um, the kind of the mentor to. Um, now I got to look. I'm forgetting. It's been it's been entirely too long. You're talking about Bob Sapp? No, or he was Goron because he oh. I, I'm he was he was one of the I remember liking him in uh, in Rounders quite a bit. Um, Rounders, squares, triangulars. So in in Rounders, is it is it a movie about? A lot of people, and if they throw out a two point seven, he's like three, bro. <laughs> uh, no, it is one of the best poker movies that uh, you'll probably never see. I'm going to guess at this point. Um, uh, Lady Gaga sings a song about a, a poker face. You're just trying, and I, I, I have to say, I appreciate your. Uh, I appreciate your attempt to buy time. Some people call him Maurice. Right. That's right. I remember now. He was uh, one of the two guys at uh, In Rounders. He was uh, one of the two um, foreign individuals that was at a table that uh, gets scared away by some, um, let's let's say, some not fair play 
by uh, one of the main characters of the film, and they never come back. Uh, scares away some business. Mm. But yeah. Now his ER stint. I mean, he was he was there for years on ER. Is that ER like after it was good? No, no. That, I seem to remember that he was he was during the good period. But um, okay, yeah. So anyway, so Electra. Um, so the whole we're, we're really bringing it today. Golly. In fact, I, I'm almost tempted just to edit this entire part out <laughs> after I <laughs> this whole five minute discussion on <laughs> Goran <laughs> Viznich uh, or however you'd like to. Should I, should I look up the pronunciation? No, for him no, I, I don't want to know how badly I just completely ruined his name and then called him a girl. Good Lord, what is wrong with me? Um, if you hear this, Goran, we, we'd really love to do it with you. I'm, I'm going to say that I, I'm, I'm fully expecting that's never going to happen because, uh, yeah, I, it's no, it's all badness now. That's all that's left. Yeah, but speaking of Terrence Stamp, every time you see Terrence Stamp, he's shaven and he's got white hair. Right. But in the Superman movie, he's got like a beard and black hair. Yes. And you don't even recognize that it's him until you read the the credits and you say, hey, it's Terrence Stamp. And then you go and watch it again. You're like, oh, my gosh, it's Terrence Stamp because it looks exactly like him, sounds just like him. It's pretty funny. He has one of my favorite parts on Chuck. He's he's a lot of fun. One of the big bad guys, which I guess makes sense. He that's, always plays big. That's kind of what, kind of what he does. Um, but, no, the Electra movie... I, I think the whole reason that we really strayed in this direction is there's nothing to say about the plot. There was no plot. It was kind of pointless. Terrence Stamp was a great choice. He was an excellent stick, mm-hmm. but yep, that's about it. The The entire movie made essentially no sense, and it was just, it was just awful. Okay, we're, very we're, good. We're going to leave it at that. Um, all right, so now we're let's let's uh, rebound and let's talk about a really good film. <laughs> yes, you <laughs> son of the mask. <laughs> yeah, no, this one really isn't any better. <laughs> In fact, my notes on this particular film are two lines. Two lines. <laughs> it's just it's just not good. <laughs> this was an absolute money grab and a failure, and. Did this even appear? It did appear in the movie theaters, actually. Oh, yeah. It was definitely in the movie theaters. Uh, it's just Lawrence Guterman, whose who's big thing is cats and dogs, other than this. Nice. If that's any indication of the uh, the direction they were going with well, this particular film. The the star was popular... For about 10 minutes. Yeah. Uh, and, it's, and it's not a knock against him. I like Jamie Kennedy. I think he's funny. Was was he like MTV popular? Is yes. That, yeah. Okay. Yes, definitely. So, I mean, I just don't think I don't think that maybe he capitalized on his initial ascendancy into stardom in quite the way that he could have. And this movie, I think, was no small part of it. Yeah. It was. This just, movie can ruin people. Oh yeah. I mean, it didn't really. Uh, Ruin the other people. No. Well, how, what are you going to do to Alan Cumming? Hey, everybody loves him. Paint him blue and put a tail on him? Yeah, I'm sure they did in some film. Yeah. Uh, um, X2. Oh, that's right. How did I forget about that? Oh, Lord. He was Nightcrawler. 
And he did great as Nightcrawler. He was mm-hmm. one of the more enjoyable parts of X2. Oh, yeah. Um, you got uh, Trailer Howard, um, who was in Monk and Me, Myself, and Irene. You've got uh, Stephen Wright, who is fantastic. I mean, it's hard to have a movie with Stephen Wright in it and not laugh. They somehow managed it with this one. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Cal Penn was in it. Ben Stein was in it. So a lot of... A lot of the people that you kind of go, oh, yeah, that that person. But when the entire cast is kind of filled with, oh, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. just kind of, eh. Was this about the time when Ben Stein was hitting a, uh, when Ben Stein's money? No, somewhere around um, Or was it, yeah. Uh, and the host on that show was, um, he's on ABC. Yeah, he's got his own late night show right now. Yeah, I didn't uh, remember his name anymore. Yeah, let's see. Uh, but anyway, his son has some medical issues. I seem to remember. Uh, his one of his kids had something. Yeah. He was in the hospital. That's yeah. what it was. Jimmy Kimmel. Kimmel. Yes, yes. Jimmy Kimmel was a host of When Ben Signs Money, which I really enjoyed that show. It was that was fun. a lot of fun. Small stakes, kind of silly. Um, actually, you could describe the son of the mask kind of like that. Small stakes, kind of silly. It's just. Uh, when Ben Stein's money was interesting. Yes. So just that so you know, and I'm, I don't want to seem like I'm just glossing over. Um, sometimes I feel like it may seem like it's like you guys didn't actually watch that movie. Yeah, we did. The uh, plot for Son of the Mask is that uh, Loki has to regain the mask or Odin's going to basically kill him. Um, and it tends to hop between... Uh, the baby uh, and the dog and hilarity ensues supposedly but the the baby is kind of special because the baby was if I remember correctly was born while like Jamie Kennedy had the mask on or something like that it was connected to the mask it's been a little while since I've seen it but uh, yeah it's just it's not great I think we're good yeah okay so let's move on to something that's actually good at least in my opinion. I enjoyed this one quite a bit. I like this movie too. Um, uh, little Keanu Reeves, 2005. We're going to go with Constantine. So now, do you ever read any of the comics that this was based on? Uh, no. Okay. So the character, even though it shows up in the saga of the Swamp Thing, is kind of somewhat intertwined with uh, the, the, the Lucifer character and... Um, a lot of the, the stuff that's uh, death and the high cost of living, that kind of vertigo set of characters to a certain extent. Mm. Um, but it was created by uh, Alan Moore in 1984. Uh, Jamie Delano was uh, writing on that along with John Ridgway, John Totalben, and Steve Bissett for art. Um, really one of my favorite characters. And so far, there's only been a couple of instances where this character has crossed over. You've got this movie, you've got the TV show that didn't last very long, and then the character kind of merged into Legends of Tomorrow uh, mm-hmm. on the on the CW. Now, the the character in the movie, uh, not faithful <laughs> to the comics. Yeah, that's what I am to understand. After seeing a little bit more about this character more recently and reading more... Bits of info. The movie itself is good, but it doesn't mean it's faithful to the actual character. 
but the movie itself is entertaining. There are certain elements that they do well, but they change a lot. And uh, believe it or not, the the TV show and the character from the TV show actually fairly faithful. It's I was impressed at how well they did on the TV show. But let's stick with the movie since we're we're talking about that instead. Sure. Um, So the director was Francis Lawrence, right? Uh, I am Legend and Hunger Games. Not exactly a resume that I would normally associate with somebody that's going to make a movie that I like because you got one of them. But I think, wasn't that, that, was that after? Oh, yeah, that's after. But I mean, if I'm looking back in retrospect and seeing this resume, it's like, wow, I am Legend was good for a bit and then just didn't make sense at the end and messed up the book to a certain extent. And then Hunger Games, another one based on a book that. Oh, just unless you're like a 13-year-old girl at that time, you know, of course, my wife will probably throw a book at me for saying that. but it, it Or maybe four of the books. You it, know. it knows its demographic is what I'm saying. And it just kind of uh, not, not exactly a wide, um, a wide appeal. Uh, and I, I, I am not a 13-year-old girl. Haven't seen the movies, so I don't know. Um, so... I tried several times because I thought it's like this would normally be kind of right up my alley. I, I like Harry Potter and that sort of thing, but I tried with the Hunger Games. It's just like, nope, just not doing it for me. Um, so obviously, Keanu Reeves is in this. You've got uh, uh, Rachel Weiss. Weiss? Uh, Rachel Wise, as I think was what they've, they've Americanized it, could be Vice. Vice, that makes more sense. Very, very German. She's awesome. She's so good in everything. Um, and I, I really thought she did a, a pretty good job because you're, you're, you've got the supernatural movie where you've got you've got the Keanu Reeves is basically Keanu Reeves for the most part in a lot of his films. And he's doing a Keanu version of the Constantine character. But so everything's all supernatural. And you've got this one character that's essentially basically normal. And trying to react to CGI and horror in some of the earlier instances, I thought she just kind of did a fantastic job mm-hmm. with that. Um, very relatable reactions. I guess that's what I'm going with. Um, Shia LaBeouf, LaBeouf. LaBeouf, which in French means the beef. <laughs> this is maybe the only performance he's made that I liked. And that is not a knock as much as it sounds because in, in, for the most part, the other ones that I've seen him in, you know, I take that back. There's another one he's in, if I remember correctly, that I really liked. Too. Peanut Butter Falcon? No. And it definitely wasn't the Transformer film. Good Lord. But I don't blame him on that. I'm going to lay that one at the director's feet. But, oh, yeah. Um, but uh, no, he wasn't he in... Uh, oh, there was a two-part movie... Uh, uh, basically about a woman with a um, with a, a sex addiction, and I think he played her husband from a certain point. I'm going to have to look that one up at some point. We'll talk about that one after, but I'm pretty sure he's in that. And he, if it's what I'm thinking of, he did really good in that too. Uh, Nymphomaniac. Mm, yes, yeah. he showed his man bits in it. Yeah, I may have blocked that one out of my mind, but. 
yeah, that that those the uh, the first movie specifically was quite good. The second movie, I, uh, the ending didn't make a hell of a lot of sense. But Shia was in a um, Indiana Jones movie. Yes, I'm going to ignore that completely. Uh, <laughs> Jimon Honsu was, was waiting in this as well. Yeah, and uh, I, I I love that dude uh, in everything. Has He's in a lot of comic book movies. He you, get to, you get to say his name quite a bit. Yes, I get to massacre it over and over again. In fact, I think what I'm going to start doing is I'm going to start relegating the name saying part to Richard. <laughs> it will be his turn to just try and, and trudge through the names that that are not easy. I'll get the next one, Gavin Rossdale. <laughs> you know, you get the hard ones. I get the easy ones. Oh, you get the easy okay. ones. Uh, I love I love Bush. Uh, so seeing him in this was kind of a, a fun little thing. Oh, the music, gotcha. Yeah, uh, stop that family show. Uh, Tilda Swinton, uh, who I like in about everything, she did great as Gabriel. Um, yes, I like her character and uh, a lot of the things that she's in. Another, you know, once again we're back to uh, a Marvel. Yeah. Uh, character later on, of course, much right. later on. Right. Um, yeah, she just she has that kind of ethereal quality in pretty much anything she, she, that she does. Uh, Pruitt Taylor Vince is in this, who is in uh, Agents of Shield, and uh, he's got a, he's got a bunch of little smart uh, parts and, and things. Uh, Peter Stormare, who's in Fargo and Brothers Grimm and Armageddon. So I mean, just a, a really fantastic cast. It's loaded. This cast is, I think. One of the things about this film is it's so dark, not just in in the in the in the content of what's written but the cinematography it's it's all very rich and and just kind of gritty and and uh so that when there is kind of a bright moment it just flares out and jumps out at you and it really serves the the plot um i think this movie is on hulu right now if you have hulu and want to revisit it but uh, which I did recently, probably yeah. about uh, within the last month, I want to say. So yeah, it's a it's a fun movie. I enjoy watching it. If it comes on, I'll I'll, I'll watch it again. It's just I, I just remember it's like yeah, it's Constantine. It's not Constantine, but I'm going to enjoy this anyway. It's the concept of Constantine presented by yeah Keanu Reeves. That's right, and and I, I love Keanu Reeves. I watch him in about anything. He's a hot item right now. Great plot. Well, okay, let me rephrase that. Good plot. Uh, great. Um, um, it, it was it was a great. Uh, they stuck landing, uh, so took a a good plot and prepared it and executed. There we go. That's the word I'm looking for. Executed a good plot really well. So that's that's kind of what I think about Constantine. Um, so we move on from something like that. That's kind of a really fun hamburger fare to something that a lot of people think of as more of a a steak. Kind of a movie mm-hmm. in terms of comic book films, we have Sin City, right? And who would uh, be in the person that uh, did Sin City? See if you know Frank this. Miller. That's right. He's responsible for so much. I mean, it's kind of amazing, and he was intimately involved in the creation of this film. So he was. I was impressed. I, you, you saw it, right? And uh, yes, and the, the thing I love about this movie is that. If you look at the cast, for example, it's just ridiculous. Like, it's loaded. It's more loaded than what you'd see in a lot of other 98% of any of the other movies. Even the ones that we're going to talk about in the future, it's loaded. But how it's all, the movie is segmented. Yeah. Right? There 
intertwined in a, to in an a extent, yeah. you know, to an extent, but they're all different. And those segments have different directors too. Mm-hmm. So I, that's what I just really enjoy about this. Besides the black and white with the pops of color and the presentation of this movie, right. I just like the segmentation of it and you get the different directing styles that you, that kind of meld together. So it's just, I mean, it's a it, really good movie. It's a very unique movie. If you're a Tarantino, well, if you're a Tarantino fan, you've already seen this. Uh, but same thing with uh, Robert Rodriguez. I mean, just kind of a, a, a fantastic. It's a great kind of short synopsis of this is what this director does, but through the lens of what Miller created, because a lot of it's shot for shot from the comics. It's amazing how it looks exactly like the comics. I I was just kind of amazed. I don't know the comics, but I do know the movie. Well, if you know the movie, you basically know the comic because it's. It, I mean, literally, there. Take a take a look sometime. I'm sure you'll find it on YouTube. A comparison of the film to the comics. It'll just show you side by side, panel for panel, um, like uh, the the death scene uh, for um, which one? Well, I'm getting, getting there. The the. The one with the uh, the serial killer, kind of the, the the culmination that was played by your favorite actor and mine. Uh, <laughs> you know who I'm talking about, Elijah Wood. Mm. Uh, <laughs> He's so good. Um, <laughs> he is yeah. awesome. He was super creepy, and he he did a fantastic job. And that literally is almost exactly like the comic, the the scene where where he was uh, finally put to his rest. Um, but he doesn't really he doesn't say anything in this movie. Yeah, that's what makes it good acting. He's able to convey all that emotion without saying anything. And he has glasses on a lot. <laughs> and he's a shadowy character, so you don't get to see him a whole lot. And he doesn't have to say any words. <laughs> Perfect. Let's let's do more of that. Um, Jessica Alba's in it, obviously. Um, uh, she. Um, She's central, for sure, but not exactly a prominent acting figure. And not not saying like acting in the film, like doesn't have a lot of direct things that she does in the film. A little bit of interaction with some other characters, but it's kind of more there separately uh, dancing. Yeah, which, you know, that works for me. Dancing, um, dancing, dancing. Uh, bum, bum, Devin bum, Aoki. Bum. From uh, Too Fast, Too Furious, Alex Bladell from Gilmore Girls, Powers Booth, the late great Powers mm, Booth. Alexis Bladell. That's what I said. You said Alex. I said Alexis. Rewind the tape, Jimmy. No, no. Don't tell me that my, my, my brain fell away again. Well, the only thing is, so since she was in Gilmore Girls, there's a very strict involved following for Gilmore Girls. Is there? So if you get the Gilmore Girls stuff wrong, whew, whew, you gotta you gotta you gotta be on the lookout. Yeah. Okay. How many Gilmore Girls episodes have you seen? Zero. <laughs> okay. Yeah, not gonna not gonna lie on that. I mean, one. I've probably indirectly seen half of the episodes just because um, someone likes to watch them repeatedly over and over and over again. So they they've been on a lot around me. But, you know, I, I know the storylines. I know the ins and outs. I, I will not guarantee that I will not be massacring more names. So, in fact, we're going to let you go. Yes. The rest of the names. 
Powers Booth. Woo! Silky smooth. Yeah, he he is excellent as the uh, kind of shadowy uh, political guy in this film. Rosario Dawson. Who is awesome in everything. Everything that she does. Another uh, Marvel. Well, she has a lot of the all the, the, all the uh, Netflix. Right. Marvel, which is its own thing, I guess, at this point. But still. Yeah, she's got a lot of comic book cred. Uh, Benicio. Benicio. Del Toro. That's right. The collector himself. Is that the, the bull? Toro? Is it Toro a bull? Yeah, I believe so. Okay. Yeah. No, my, no, my Spanish. Uh, Michael Clark Duncan. Also a late great. Man, he could be anything uh, except, well, he's kingpin. So he mm-hmm. was a good kingpin. Yeah. Just they didn't let him end very well, I don't think. No. He uh, had the uh, ability to suck in all the bad and spit it out somewhere else. I don't yeah, I'm not quite sure how that, that works. Uh, you guys know what we're talking about. <laughs> of course you. Tommy Flanagan. Mm. So in Gladiator, mm-hmm. he was um, the, you wouldn't call him the sidekick, the assistant, the helper. What would you call him in that movie? I would call him uh, Man at Arms, maybe. Ooh. Yes, yes. Brought him his little figurines later on in the movie. Right. See, now you know who we're talking about. Um, Also was in Braveheart and Alien vs. Predator. So this dude's been around them big hits, just never been necessarily forefront in the big hits. But he knew his uh, explosives in this movie. Yes, he did. Um, Rick Gomez, Band of Brothers, Transformers, Justified. <laughs> I, I love me some Band of Brothers. Yeah, to watch that. Not, not, but the but the the thought, the image isn't coming to mind. <laughs> nope. Um, so we'll go on. So Carla Gugino, she uh, is killer. She's so good. Yeah, she's. I, I don't think I've seen her do poorly in any in any job in any role that I've seen her do. And she's she was super. Um, I would have been so nervous for her character in this film because it's not just like a little bit of nudity. It's a lot of nudity, and it's in that stylized black and white, and it's just like that's that's guts right there. I just, uh, you know, stand up and clap for that one. But uh, not just that. But, I mean, because a lot of times when you see nudity in these films, it's, Nudity that doesn't make any sense, that's just kind of gratuitous and doesn't serve the scene or the plot. I'm not going to say that it does in Sin City because I don't think it does. But when you have that gratuitous nudity, in a lot of ways, it yanks me away from the plot for a minute. You know, It's like, why? Why are we doing this again? But because she's as good as she is she can kind of yank the attention back to the scene itself and why it's important uh, for her character to be there and be doing that. It's like, that's just amazing. And it was the trust factor when Mickey Rourke's character, that's another person than Mickey Rourke, right? Yeah. Main character. When he comes to see her in that particular scene where it's not him lauding over her because 
she's got her parts out, but it's the trust, the relationship that they have right. of him needing help, which is part of the scene, right? And it just that's just ama- kind of amazing. Um, right, so we got what? Uh, Josh, Josh Hartnett, uh, 30 Days of Night, Black Dahlia, and just a ton tons. of other things. Everybody, I think everybody knows who Josh Hartnett is. I would hope girl. so. Rutger, horror, horror, horror. It's not horror. It's hour. Rutger hour. See, there we go. Blade Runner. Blade Runner, I think, is what most people know him from. Yeah. Um, Hobo with a shotgun. So for me, uh, he was he is that. But uh, Tenth Kingdom, the five part television movie series. So if you watch Ooh. all of them, each part was like two hours. So the whole thing is ten hours long. Mm. <laughs> he's in a good chunk of it. He's fantastic in that. I think he's really good. He just doesn't. He's in He's in a lot of movies. Yeah, but a lot of them are. I guess you could say not the more popular ones. He's in plenty of popular ones, but he makes a lot of them that maybe aren't so popular. Yeah. He's kind of behind the scenes a lot in, in movies, I feel like, and he's really good. I yeah. like him. Yeah. Uh, who else do we have here? Jamie King. Um, he says, as Goldie, Jamie King. Um, was she credited as James King in this? I want to say somewhere she said it's a James King. I don't, not in this, I don't think, but... Uh, but it, the only reason I said as Goldie is because you never get a really good shot for the most part of her in the first film. So unless you knew she was playing that part for the most part, you wouldn't really think about it. She plays the sister, sister. as well. Yeah. And you get a little more from that. But even then, not a lot of screen time. So it's just kind of, oh, yeah, she's awesome. Um Maybe I miss it. There's one person I don't see in here. Michael okay. Madsen's in it. Michael Madsen, Mickey Rourke we mentioned. Nick Offerman? What's Nick Offerman? He's one of the cops, if I remember correctly. Interesting. I'll have to look for him when I watch this again. Uh, Clive Owen, of course, who plays one of the main characters, does a lot of the uh, the voiceover mm-hmm. stuff in those segments as well. Um, he's pretty solid in... Just about everything yeah. he does. He never is one of those guys that pops out to me. It's like, I got to see that new Clive Owen movie. But um, I'm still always generally pretty happy when I do see him. And uh, we, we mentioned Elijah Wood before, you know, enough of you, Elijah Wood. And then uh, Bruce Willis plays a pretty prominent role in this one, too. Bruce yes, Willis is, you know, pretty solid in what? Everything that he does, he does a lot of things. Even though there are those that don't necessarily get along with him very well. Uh, <laughs> I, yes. I, uh, I can't help but like him in pretty much everything. Um, yeah, so uh, Brittany Murphy. Right, right. So I was just thinking because there's a there's quite a few people in this film that, it, I mean, like I said, loaded, just loaded top to bottom. But there's a lot of people in this film that have passed away by now. Oh, she yeah. was another one of them uh, that was in there as well. Oh, gosh. Is there anybody else that you can think of that was that showed up? Oh, well, Nick Stahl. Did we mention Nick Stahl? No, we didn't mention Nick Stahl. So Nick Stahl was in Terminator 3. Right, right. I forgot about that. Um, he was the, the yellow... The yellow bastard, I think, is what right what he's called in this one. Um, 
So he played a pretty prominent character as well. I don't know of any other things that he's really been besides Though, the Terminator 3. He's he, he had a lot of makeup on in this particular film for a good chunk of it. So it's, Yeah, you wouldn't recognize you If you knew who he was, you'd recognize his voice. Right. But that's really about it. Frank Miller showed up in there, too, as a priest. He had a little cameo action. Yeah, you got to do that eventually. But, yeah, this this film, it's like multiple films because the comic is like multiple stories in the comic, and it's violent, and it is stylized, and it is just beautiful. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, was, it was an achievement, and then they tried to duplicate the achievement in another film that we'll eventually talk about, and... Didn't. <laughs> didn't didn't quite get her done. No, um, of course we also have um, um, one more film of 2005. For all of you that maybe were yelling this entire time, how could you forget this? We didn't forget the movie. We just kind of wanted to wait, save maybe the best for last, or at mm. least for me the most rewatchable for last, because I can watch this one over and over and over again. That's true. Um, a good setup for, let's say, a set of characters in this this world that are very interesting, but you don't get see delivered quite like how they were in this movie. So. No, I mean, but uh, obviously we're talking about Batman Begins, the the beginning of the Christopher Nolan trilogy of Batman films. Um, there's a lot of uh, argument over which Batman is the best Batman, and it's which Batman actor yeah. or which Batman film? Yes, uh, all of the above. All of the above. There will be forever that argument. And um, while I like the Michael Keaton Ben Affleck for sure, <laughs> well, I like the Michael Keaton um, Bruce Wayne quite a bit. I like the. Uh, I definitely like. Um, the Christian Bell Batman, at least when he's not talking, uh, probably the best. You talking about like when he's not talking as Batman? Correct. With his made up. Batman. Um, it, it's hard not to make fun of that because it is just so fabricated. And it was an initially panned a bit. Yeah. But it didn't make this movie any less successful. No. It didn't make them not continue to do that. And didn't wasn't there a snippet that they kind of explained it a bit? I know they did in in the newest of the of the DC movies that had Batman in it. He had like a voice modular. Voice modular, yeah. So which made sense in a, in, a, in a sense if you're going to instill fear in people or if you're going to mask your true voice. I, I get it. Yeah, this but was just—it's just not so yeah. much modulation; it's just growling. Yeah, and as an, as annoying as it seemed, or as panned as it was, it didn't. It became a non-issue. Oh yeah, I mean because the action sequences were phenomenal. The plot was actually really good for the at least the first two of the Nolan series of films. Um, the cast while not as deep as Sin City was, who they got were just mega stars mm-hmm. and worked together just seamlessly and were able to convey this this 
story and and this feeling in a way that you wouldn't be able to get in any other way. I mean, it's not it's not intended as an insult, but when you go from Michael Caine as as the as the right hand to Batman, who else could be that character? I mean, really in any realistic way. I mean, the, who was the actor they got for the uh, Ben Affleck um, version? Because he's, he's a big name, too. Big name, good actor. Great, yeah. But at the same time, I just cannot see him as Alfred. You, well, you have an idea in your head on who Alfred should be, Jeffrey Irons. Yeah. Uh, and, and you're right, and Michael Caine kind of... Michael Caine does... He puts an impression on you in a lot of the movies that he's in anyway. But uh, you're right. You kind of leave like, eh, how, how can you replicate this? Or how can you supersede what was already done in certain elements of this movie? And that character is pretty hard to do. Yeah. I mean, he. I, I'm, I'm kind of wanting to see the television show, the Alfred Pennyworth television show, just kind of see what they do with it. But uh, Yes. And it, I do believe it's called, what, uh, Pennyworth? Yes. Um, Oddly enough. But, uh, I mean, Liam Neeson, who does such a great job being kind of that father figure uh, mentor role that gets twisted into the bad guy. But is he a bad guy? But he's a bad guy. But is he a bad guy? International superstar. Just kind of uh, kind of fantastic. That I guess maybe that's one of the reasons this film kind of struck home so much is uh, Rachel Ghoul is probably my favorite Batman villain. So I mean, a lot of people say Joker or uh, you know one of the other normal rogues, but for me, it's it's him all day long because he's just on kind of even footing in a lot of ways with Batman. Because I mean, you got this multi-billionaire genius that is using all all of the uh, all of the money and power at his disposal to try and deal with this crime problem you need to have somebody that also has multiple billions of dollars and just a complete lack of uh, a moral line or at least a different moral line that will be able to kind of be um, a, a real thorn in his side. Who else are you going to get? Scarecrow? Well, and I think the character that you have in, in the, like you said, the rogues, even his character in this movie was an, an idea right. of that, but like not the true representation of that, but like, yeah, it was, it was modified a little bit, modified a bit. And, you know, his his whole thing with his Lazarus pool and that type of situation. And, and sometimes he he's a bad guy. He, he's a bad guy through and through. But sometimes he's the he's he he's needed to be the good guy. Yeah. Right. So, like, he's an interesting character. And it was interesting to, for them to do that in this movie, because he's probably one of the. When you think about all the the Joker and the Riddler, and all, like okay, we get all those, but even the other ones that you toss in there, like a Bane, or you know, like a Scarecrow, I, I think people 
think about those just because of their oh their the uniqueness, right? So like right. one wears a mask and one pumps stuff into his body to make him big and bulky, you know. So, but the other guy is just like. He's old and has money. <laughs> so it's interesting they took that character or the idea of that character to put it into this one. And I like how they show him how the movie progresses, right? And it tells you the story of, in a small extent, of Bruce Wayne. And he he leaves and he he's in this jail and he's fighting the inmates in the jail to prove him, not to prove himself or to prove a point or... Whatever he can do, and fights the evil where he finds it, sort of a thing. Yeah, and gets out of that, goes back, and everybody thought he was gone and dead, and uh, it's it's an interesting progression of a story. Well, it's, it's, it's an extended version of his origin story because everybody gets the oh, my parents were killed in the alley bit, but then they don't really go into much of anything else in the movies yep. or the television show. So this is the first time they ever even bothered to try and show, well, how did he actually get there? Yeah. And where did he get his training from? And this shows you, at least in this world, where he got his... Some of it, anyway. Yep. Um, I want to go back to, if we can, for just a moment, uh, Mr. Liam Neeson. Yes. And I just want to rattle off some... like. When he was in this movie, I think people take him for granted. But when he when he was in this movie, he was on a hot streak. Yes, man, this dude is in the movies that everybody wants to see, right? So, it, it obviously it kind of he's been in a lot of movies, but he, Schindler's List came out, right? Yeah, and that was just a big time movie, and and it. Presented a picture. He was a great actor, all that type of stuff. Okay, so then he ended up doing um, the, the Star Wars movie, right? Right. So he was in uh, episode one. You're like, oh, okay, Liam ne- Liam Neeson's in here. That's cool. And then you saw him briefly in Gangs of New York. So you're like, he's in some just powerful movies. Uh, Kingdom of Heaven, then Batman Begins. You're like, oh, my gosh, this dude is just in... Hit after hit. Hit after, after hit. hit. He was the voice of Aslan in the Chronicles of Narnia movies. Then came in Taken. Mm-hmm. And Taken just obviously blew up. Um, video gamers like us, um, I, I played Fallout 3 a lot. You never played Fallout 3. I did 3. not play, no. But he was he's the voice of a main character in that in that game. And if a lot of us played Fallout 3, you know exactly who I'm talking about. And it just went on and on and on. It's like he was, he just had that, these. The Midas touch. Killer movies right in there that (laughs) they got a hot actor at the right time. And he portrayed the character exactly how I think Christopher Nolan wanted him to be portrayed. I can and I made fun of of uh, Scarecrow, but Cillian Murphy did a great job as the yep. Scarecrow in the film. Um, and and it's just it's just not the same kind of villain for for Batman. It's kind of a I've beaten you, okay. <laughs> that's about all there is to it. It's not not a uh, uh, something that's going to have as lasting of an impact. Well, and and in and I'm no comic book expert. I've only you know watched the cartoons, and then I read the cartoons and watch the cartoons, and I'll go back and read to get more of the facts on things, or I'll watch the movies and go back and read to get more of the facts on things. 
But I, I liked how the Scarecrow character in this was presented more of a, a character who could have more impact than what you would think, right? Right. And right. I like how they positioned at the beginning of the movie the flower, that you had to quest for the flower. And they do these things when he's at the temple that, was, that came from this particular flower. But then it all came down to, you know, this, the scarecrow implementing all the stuff that came from this flower to destroy Gotham because it needs to be destroyed. And he, you thought that the scarecrow was the main person, but he was just a bit of the greater yeah, thing that was it. manipulated to be what he needed to be at the time. So yep. that's a that's a nice way to do the character. Uh, Katie Holmes. So this is a sticking point for some. At least it was for me. One of my least favorite things in comic book movies or any movie really is when they recast a character. Continuity. I hate hate that. And I don't know who it was, if it was Katie or if it was Christopher Nolan. Who knows? I mean, it happened in Marvel big time early on. So it does happen, and it's a money thing, or it's a business thing, or it's a scheduling thing, or yeah. it's out all those things. And, and the thing is, I like both actresses quite a bit yep. that play uh, Rachel Dawes. But <sighs> Rachel Dawes, made-up character. Yeah. And it's just, and that's and that's okay for for what they did here. I, I don't I don't mind that. I mean, some people thought Vicky Vale was a made up character in the original '89 Batman, although it wasn't. Uh, that character had been around for 50, 60 years. Um, the uh, yeah, I mean, it's just uh, Tom Wilkinson as uh, Falcone mm-hmm. or Falcone. Falcone, I think. Um, but he's like he's like a classic. Kind of gangster, underling playing. bad guy in the Batman world, right? Oh yeah, he's been around for a long time. Um, and again, Rick Rauer, because uh, he should be. Well, I can't really say that anymore. I was going to say he should be in everything. Not really possible now. He's dead. Uh, but I was always happy to see him in anything. He uh, he did a good job in this particular film mm-hmm. on uh, the on the board at uh, the Wayne, right? It was easy to dislike him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ken Watanabe, um, not always the most understandable of actors in uh, American films, but I love seeing him. Uh, he's still in one of my favorites, uh, Last Samurai. Mm, that's a great movie. That's a really good movie. Uh, Morgan Freeman, of course, who is just untouchable pretty much in everything. A voice of a silky smooth angel. Yep, uh, Lance Roche. I mean, it's got it's got a great, 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 uh, a great, 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 great cast. And I'll, and I'll go back to a little bit of the so when we talked about uh, the scarecrow, and you don't see much of that character. Yeah, right. There's a lot of, I think, Batman characters, Batman people in here that. Don't get a lot of FaceTime, right? No, so Lucius no. Fox, right? Yeah. That character is very prominent in the comic books, or more recently, very more, prominent. More recently, I should say. But you don't see much of. You, I mean, you don't see much of a representation of that character. So there's a lot of those pieces that were in here that are true. 
that are Batman characters, that, but you wouldn't normally see or maybe even see in seen in movies yeah. previous. I'm not 100% certain about this, but for some reason, it may just be the hour that we're recording. But in my memory, the Lucius Fox character wasn't even really a character until around the times of the movies. Hmm. I could be wrong on that. And then carry the character forward? No, yeah, as far as I know, he still exists in some way, shape, or form. So in a in a sense, like um, uh, Harley Quinn. Yeah, that happens a lot more often than you would think. A television show comes out, like uh, when uh, the Captain Marvel television show comes out, they spun off uh, ISIS as another television show. It was never a character in the comic books, but was so popular in the television shows, it became uh, became one. Lucius Fox, first appearance, Batman number 307, January 1979. So he has been around for a little while, but not real far back, because that's that's still, that's the end of the Silver Age. So Yeah, Batman's been there for a while. Yeah. Yeah, so, so since this was 2005, he'd only been uh, yeah, 25 years, that's like, that's like nothing in in uh, comic book time. <laughs> well, comic book years, he was only he only aged a year. <laughs> well, I don't know. This you're you're thinking Marvel. That's that's more of a Marvel thing. So mm. nobody really ages. There's no real reset in DC. Everybody ages, and then the universe is destroyed and restarted again. Oh, <laughs> over yes. and over and over again. So annoying. Um, but yeah, so. That was the rest of 2005. We tried to end on a high note. Uh, Batman was just fantastic. Now, going forward, uh, we have come to the conclusion that we're going to do this in a slightly different way. We are mildly concerned that maybe this is just too much to have in a single episode. So we're going to be redoing our formatting just a little bit here coming up, trying to give a little more, um, a little more flexibility, a little more variety, a little more... Uh, a little more talk, a little uh, uh, about a little less details. Or a little less monotony, right. if you will, right? Especially with the upcoming years, because there's going to be so many movies in each year. So we might just start parsing this out into some other episodes. 2006 seems like it'll be pretty easy. Though. Yeah. But uh, definitely keep an eye open for that. We're, st- we'll st- we're still going to have our interviews, and those will function in a normal sort of a way. But uh, other episodes, we're, I think we're going to start mishmashing it a little bit, try and keep it, keep it fresh. Um, but uh, let, us what, let us know what you think. I'm going to be talking about this on uh, social media, trying to get a reaction, a response to what everybody thinks. What social media do we have? Oh, Richard, good sir. Uh, you're talking about things on the Internet? Yes, uh, we occasionally go there, don't we? The book face and the Twitter box. That's right. So we, we've got the Pudding Guys pretty much everywhere that you can go, except for Twitter, which is real Pudding Guys. Because somehow Pudding Guys already existed. But only on Twitter. But only on Twitter. Weird. But yes, uh, we even have, oh gosh, I'm trying to think of all the things that we've got. We've got Twitter, we've got Facebook, we've got, oh, what's the one where people can, you know, Don't throw they? us a bone? That's right. That would be uh, Patreon where for only $1 per month, you can help support us. Uh, maybe we can use some of that money to get classes on how to use microphones. <laughs> uh, 
uh, every little bit helps. But uh, uh, we always appreciate seeing what uh, seeing uh, what uh, people appreciate, and we will even be having some new stuff coming up on Patreon soon. Um, so keep your eyes out. Some hopefully fun things and. One interesting tool to kind of keep in mind that will also be associating to a certain extent with Patreon is the Ultimate Comic Movie Database. There's a lot of information out there. Um, But if you ever wanted to know about comic-related properties in movies, we have it all in one place. Every comic that has ever been made into a movie is there, all of the actors, all of the directors. There's so much information, and you can kind of twist it to a certain extent to your own ends to try and find out some, some really neat stuff that nobody else knows. But going to Patreon soon, we're, getting, we're kind of going for somewhere around June, probably, in 2020. We will be expanding this even further. So it will include television shows and animated projects and a variety of other things. More control over what information that you will be able to extrapolate, to correlate, to amaze your friends with, or possibly even use as source material for uh, an important paper for your school or higher educational facility. Mm. Just think if your paper that you write and was had a, a, a credit in your bibliography and it was a website, and it was our website. That's right. It'd be pretty awesome, right? You can do it. You can you can do. Uh, I, I had to write a bibliography recently, and it was all about citing websites. That's pretty much what it is now. It's, it's hard to to use much of anything else. Yeah. But uh, definitely let us know what you think. If nothing else, contact us on the forums. We always are happy to see anybody that shows up there. But until next time, uh, keep watching those older movies. Uh, uh, Watch them from 2006. You'll be prepared for us coming for the next match. Definitely a man.